Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 42, verse 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from uh, the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 7 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. So before I get started this morning, I had something that I wanted to share with you. I shared it with the early service as well, Uh, but I'm trying something a little bit different today, Uh, and here's why. So this past week, I was blessed with the opportunity to preach in the chapel service at the conference office, and so I did what any reasonable and sane person would do and decided to step completely outside of my comfort zone and try something totally different from what I was used to, Uh, and I preached without notes. That was my goal. I was going to preach without any notes at all. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing. Not only because I didn't end up stumbling over my words and failing miserably, but because during that time I was able to look out and I was able to see the people in the crowd. I was able to gauge the reactions and the responses, and most importantly, I was able to see the way that God was working in those people during that time. And I was better able, as well, to understand how God was working in me during that time. And as I left that service, and as I went into the meeting that I had that afternoon, and as I came back home that day, all I could think was, man, that was so powerful And I want to be able to do that for my people too. I want to be able to bring that back to my church because I want to be able to be for you guys the best minister that I can be and for the kingdom of God the best minister that I can be. And so, all that to say, this morning I'm not preaching entirely without notes, but I am trying something a little bit different and preaching with way fewer notes than usual. So, with that said, let's get started today. In the past several weeks since Easter Sunday, since the day that we celebrated the resurrection of Christ, we've been talking about the ways that the good news of the gospel can draw our hearts and our spirits towards an attitude of happiness and joy that's not dependent on circumstances, a joy that's eternal and is dependent on Jesus Christ alone. Last week we talked about this in terms of blessings, Specifically, the blessings that Jesus spoke to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. When he told them, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours will be the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will know laughter. And blessed are you who are persecuted and hated in my name, for the prophets were treated the same by your ancestors, and your rewards in heaven will be great. We talked about these on many, many different levels, all the different blessings that are tied up in those simple sayings. If you want to hear them, you can go back and find it on our website. It's there. But for this morning, I wanted to lift up just a couple of parts of this to carry into this week. First, that Jesus was talking to people who had very little. Many of them would have nothing at all. These were people who slept on the hard ground every day of their lives, who had no hope of ever owning more than their basic necessities. And he went to them and he told them, no matter how far you feel cast out of your society, no matter how forgotten you feel by your neighbors and by our country, I haven't forgotten you. I remember you, even now. No matter where you've come from, no matter who you are, every single one of you, I remember you. But then he takes that blessing a step farther and he says, not only do I remember you now, not only have I not forgotten you now in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, but I'm not going to forget you in the future. I will remember you going forward and I am preparing something for you. See, what Jesus knew and what Jesus was tapping into with those simple blessings is the fact that a promise can inspire hope in people. And hope is a central part of the good news of the gospel. Hope that something better might come tomorrow than we know today. People hope for a lot of different things. I've got my hopes and dreams. I'm sure each and every one of you has your hopes and dreams as well. People hope for simple joys, simple things that might make life better. Some people hope for a raise at work which will make their life just a little bit more comfortable. Or even better than a raise, some people hope for a promotion, maybe to some position with a title, something with a little bit of authority that might command some respect. Some people, more on the creative side of things, might hope that they'll get their big break, that someone with enough power will notice them and decide to support them so that they might be able to show their talent to the world and make it big. And some people might hope, and this is a big one that requires a lot of faith, but some people hope that someday their kids might come to clean up after themselves without having to be told to do it. Yeah, people hope for a lot of different things that might make their life just a little bit better, but it's not always those kinds of things that people hope for. Because at the same time that there are people hoping for those kinds of those kinds of comforts and joys, there are some people out there who are hoping for things that are much more basic. There's some people who hope that they might find a cure after a doctor has told them they've got three months. There's some people who hope that maybe a loved one who's been lost, someone who the relationship with them has been split, might be restored that those relationships might be brought back together through the power of Jesus. There's some people who hope 
that tomorrow they might be able to bring home enough that their children will be filled. We all hope for different things depending on where we are. We bring hopes depending on what we're coming from. But friends, it is so hard to grab onto hope. And for as hard as it is to grab onto hope, it's even harder to hold onto it. In the midst of everything that you hear, all of the messages around us, it's so hard to hold on to the idea that tomorrow might be better than today. If you don't believe me, all you have to do to see this is turn on the news, is open a magazine or a newspaper, is pull up social media, and what you'll find is people telling you, messages coming from every direction, that everything could fall apart at any moment now. That the economy might fail tomorrow and you'll be left with nothing. That our communities are divided in a way that's irreparable and can never be brought back together. You hear this message that crime and poverty are up and can never be Uh, redeemed. They can never come back down. And now there's no such thing as we anymore. It's just you and everybody else. It's this message that things have gotten so bad that not even God can redeem them. Not even God can work in the midst of these things. This is the message that you hear from all around. And if you think that you are immune to hearing it and being swayed by it, then I'd I'd ask you to be careful because it can easily work its way into your life. Back when I was in high school, I had this group of friends, a bunch of guys that I had known for many years at that point. These were people that I'd been in Cub Scouts with in elementary school, who I'd gone to church with for most of my life, who I'd sat through classes with. These were people who, to me, were more like brothers than friends. I loved each and every one of them dearly. One of the hardest things when you love people, when you have these close relationships, is when you have to watch those people make terrible choices. And for me, it seemed like all of my friends started making terrible choices at the exact same time. And I could tell stories about my time with each and every one of them, but I've got one friend that I want to lift up this morning. Because this friend, I thought, maybe I could make a difference. And so I called him up and Knowing that we had the newfound freedom of driver's licenses, I invited him to go with me to dinner one night. This is when we were in high school. And so we went to this diner near his house. We sat down and ordered uh, pancakes or breakfast tacos or something like that and started talking. And I told him, man, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you are pushing away everybody who cares, that you're going to run your life into the ground You're going to burrow so deep into despair that you'll find that you can't crawl back out again. And you know what he told me after I said that? He said, you're right. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to keep going down this path. I don't want to push everyone away because I don't want to be alone. So let's change this. Let's find a way forward. And we ate together, and we talked, and we had a heartfelt discussion, and we prayed together, and then we hugged and parted ways. And then three months later, found ourselves back in that same diner, having the same conversation again. 
And three months after that, it was still the same thing. And this continued on, not just through high school, but when I would come home from college, it would be exactly the same. And when I would come home from seminary, this would be exactly the same. And all the while, I was praying for him. I was praying, God, I know that you are capable of doing amazing things. You're capable of bringing healing where it seems impossible and of bringing people back to you in ways beyond imagination. So, God, work in his life. And the people around me that knew us, people that loved me and loved him, started to tell me that I shouldn't get my hopes up, that I shouldn't expect anything to change. And as I heard that message, I changed my prayer after a point and started praying, God, okay, if you won't do it for him, do it for me because I don't think I can watch this anymore. And I kept hearing that message coming from all around that nothing's going to change, that nothing's going to get better. And the more I heard that message, the more I started to believe it. And the less frequent even that prayer became, that message that not even God can work in this had managed to grab hold of my hope and drag it down. It was crushed beneath the weight of this message this lie that was coming from all around. And friends, I know that there are things that you bring here this morning too, burdens and weights that sit heavily on you, messages that are coming in and trying to crush your hope. What is it that's crushing your hope today? What is it that's telling you that not even God can work in this? Where's that message coming from that's telling you God might bring hope to other people, but not to you, not in this situation? Friends, the good news of the gospel is that that message is not the message of Jesus Christ. That for as strong as it may seem, we can hear a stronger one that will overcome even that, that will overcome all hopelessness. It's the message that we heard in verse 13 of our scripture when it said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because see, what we know is that the world has no hope. That The world doesn't believe that tomorrow can be better. The world's message is that tomorrow is going to be exactly the same, if not a little bit worse, and it wants you to believe that too. But if we listen to Jesus, if we listen to the good news that's proclaimed in Scripture, then we can know that that's not the case. That no matter how far gone a situation seems, or a person seems, that God can work in the midst of anything. And He can bring redemption, and healing, and joy, and hope into even the worst of circumstances. And as we learn to see that, as we learn to see the blessings of God, we find ourselves responding. It's kind of like if you've ever played peekaboo with a baby. You know, the, uh, the thing about children is that they're not, they're not quite all there yet, so when they can't see something, they think it's gone. And so when you come up to a baby and you cover your face, suddenly they think you're not there anymore at all. And then when you take your hands away and you say peekaboo, 
they just laugh and smile and giggle because it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing surprise to them that you're still there, that you have come back even though you never left. It's a natural response to being surprised. And these children, no matter how many times you'll do it, it will always be exactly the same. They'll laugh just the same. In a lot of ways, we are exactly like those children that are playing peekaboo. When we learn to recognize blessings, when we learn to see the grace of God in the ways that He is working in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, when we grow accustomed to looking for and recognizing that grace, praise comes naturally in response. We can't help ourselves when we see the goodness of God. We can't help but be filled with joy and to have that joy overflow in praise and celebration. And that praise, as we feel it more and more, brings with it trust. Because if God was still there this time, maybe he's still going to be there next time too. We can hear the message of Jesus, I haven't forgotten you, and I won't forget you going forward. And we can come to believe that more and more with each passing day. As we praise and celebrate him in that fact, what we can begin to find is that praise brings with it hope. We have hope that the message of disunity, that we are separated from one another in a way that can't be restored that that might be false because Christ has come for the Gentiles and the Jews alike. He's come for you and me. No matter how far apart we started, Christ wants to bring us all back together in his kingdom once again. And in him, that's possible. And we hear that message that he won't forget us. And we begin to recognize that that's possible too, that we won't be alone and that we won't be forgotten, but that Christ will be with us through everything. And we hear that last part of the promise of the Beatitudes when he says, a better day will come. I am preparing something for you. We begin to believe and hope in that better day too. That's why this is just an extension of recognizing blessings. And as we pour out our praise, God fills us with hope as we drink deep from that well of living water, from the wellspring of life that is Jesus Christ, what we begin to recognize is that all of those messages from around us, every voice that tells us God can't work here anymore, all of those are being spoken because the world is spiritually dry. It's like a field that's been baked in the sun where all of the plants have withered and died because they don't know that source of living water. But friends, here's the last part of this good news. That as hope overflows from us, as it builds within us, and we sing our praises and celebrations to God, what you learn quickly is that dry fields burn readily. That if you can speak even one word of hope, you can if you can speak even a spark, the tiniest spark or ember of hope into the world, into the people around you who so desperately need to hear that message, 
then that fire might catch and burn far. So as we go out from here today, I want to invite you to look for the blessings that Christ is working in your life. The fact that Jesus is still with you, that he has not forgotten you and he will not forget you. I want to invite you to let that build up in your heart and overflow so that all of the world, every person that you know and every person that sees you might have the opportunity to see that spark of hope. And friends, you will see just how far that can spread. Amen.